In just a couple of days, the NBA will kick off free agency. The Hornets have a restricted free agent in Miles Bridges. What if he actually leaves? What if Charlotte actually doesn't match that offer sheet? We're going to go through those scenarios today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, by the way. I'm Walker Mail. I've been covering Charlotte Sports for a while. Also featured on NBC. Thanks to Nick Carboni, by the way, for continuing to feature us. Nick Carboni, we got to get him back on to get his offseason thoughts. Big shouts to Nick Carboni, also appearing on CSL. Doug Carboni, oni, 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 oni. Yeah, it that's got to be the transition if we don't have Mike D'Antoni to do that with. There I you want go. you to put Nick Carboni's name in your phone right now as that. Save it as your contacts, <laughs> and then you can show on. us after the show. Please do that. That's Doug Branson. He's the guy that makes all of this possible, the founder of the podcast. He bred this into what it is today to where you can catch us on YouTube, anywhere you get your pods. Thanks for making us your first listen. Doug Miles Bridges in the news quite a bit for a lot of different reasons over this offseason. It started off with a bang, right? Especially at the beginning of the season where the guy is playing, you know, putting up MVP numbers. Wasn't going to last all season long, but clearly had a borderline all-star year. At the end, we have the whole mouthpiece thing. Flame out against the Atlanta Hawks. Now we're getting some of the other stuff that have happened on social media. He's scrubbing his bio of the Hornets right now, at least as he enters restricted free agency. And we've talked a lot about it. I just saw on ESPN yesterday where they were discussing the more intriguing restricted free agents. And Miles Bridges was number one on Brian Windhorst list. He had some stuff to say about the Charlotte Hornets. So, yeah, Wendy. Wendy says the Hornets aren't offering the uh, the max to Miles Bridges right now. Um And we'll see exactly how this all plays out. So it opens at 6 p.m. Thursday. Bridges camp declined a four-year, $60 million contract from the Hornets last offseason to hopefully lock him up long-term on something $15 million per year. They declined it. They bet on themselves. Boy, they're going to get a lot more. The max contract would be five years, $173 million, or roughly $35 million per year at that number. The max contract contenders right now are the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs. Portland kind of out of it now after trading for Jeremy Grant. So Detroit, San Antonio, those are the two names to watch. Doug, I give the floor to you. Like, what are some of the more intriguing storylines surrounding what we talked about regarding the money? Charlotte offering what they did last offseason. And of course, it's going to be a lot bigger now. What do those numbers mean to you? Well, just going back to what you said, you know, the Bridges camp declining a four-year, $60 million contract offer. I think if Bridges didn't have a camp, if it was just up to Miles Bridges, he may have accepted that offer. He enjoys playing for this franchise. He enjoys playing with LaMelo Ball. And I think he does, deep down, have a desire to stay with this franchise, a a desire that sort of works against his, um, you know, financial instincts. Uh, So I wonder how much of that will be in play in this restricted free agency. But the Hornets, because they don't have any kind of offer on the table yet, don't have a a ton of control in just what that top line number is if 
Miles Bridges gets an offer from Detroit and San Antonio. I don't think it's going to come from San Antonio because they seem to be doing a complete reset. They're looking at the 23 draft. That's all indications are that they are stripping the whole organization down for parts. And uh, so I don't think that they're going to be a big threat. Detroit remains. And they've got several players, I think, today that are due for team option pickups. So I think we're going to get some indication as to exactly how much cap space. It's going to be a lot. It's certainly going to be more than is necessary to make a max offer to uh, Miles Bridges. But if they don't exercise any of those team options, I believe it's four players that they have on team options. If they don't exercise any of that, then I start to sweat a little bit if I'm this Charlotte franchise that Detroit could come in and go max offer on Miles Bridges, and then then the choice is the Hornets. Do you match her or do you not? Because people were wondering why you know Wendy comes on TV and says that the Hornets haven't extended Miles Bridges a max offer. He's a restricted free agent. You don't have to do that. In fact, if you did that, Walker, you would essentially be negotiating against yourself. It's just smart to let the market, you know, let yeah. Detroit decide if he's a max player. And then and then a little bit of that is off of you at that point. The, the, the way that that makes sense to offer him somewhere close to the max is if or at least give him some kind of contract offer, I guess, specifically the max is what's in question here. But the way to get out in front of it is if the Charlotte Hornets say, all right, we're going to come strong. We're not going to go quite to the max but we're going to give you 30 million dollars a year okay we believe in you we drafted you we're going to go to that 30 mil mark will you accept this and not test the market for a max contract and that's the way you get out in front of it but miles bridges if he thinks there's a real shot rich paul clutch sports they think there's a real shot they're going to decline it and see if they can get something it it could work against them in in that tone if detroit or san antonio says well what about 28 mil and then you know charlotte still might just go ahead and give him the 30 million but those are my thoughts on just how the hornets could possibly get out in front of all of this if they wanted to so i think even if you even if the organization had extended that kind of offer again it's you're negotiating against yourself at that point because you know, if you wanted to do that i think that's certainly an option but i i think the hornets are very comfortable allowing this market process to play out it might come back to bite them but it might be beneficial if they can save a few million dollars here or there it's important because when we look at where the Hornets are against the cap right now, the cap next season is going to be set at 122. The tax line is going to be 149. Right now, the Hornets uh, picked up Jalen McDaniels' option. Uh, They've got to add Mark Williams and whatever guaranteed money they give to the second-round pick, Bryce McGowans. Is it McGowans? Is that right? Did I get that Mm -hmm. right, McGowans? Yeah, very good. Great, thank you. So that currently would put them at 111. I'm not counting Bryce because I don't know what that number is going to be. With second round picks, it could be all over the place. So we'll see what that guaranteed. Probably around one to two million dollars. Anyway, currently 111. Caps 122. So if you sign Bridges to the max, or even if you sign him to a 30 million dollar deal, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 135 to 145, depending on how the the contract is structured. Is it front loaded? Is it back loaded? Mm-hmm. You know, typically on the max deals players will work with teams to you know back load it or front load it but that's not always a given you never know well Uh, it's a lot of times like gordon hayward you're getting more money on the back end where it makes sense to give the player closer to the value they are now in case they wane and it's going to get better and players don't do that so they usually get paid more as it's it's always an increasing offer 
Right, but it would help if they if they got that first year cap number a little bit lower. That would help the Charlotte Hornets because they've got decisions to make about another center year, possibly. Yeah. Cody Martin, if they you know, and that's why you've seen all of this talk around the Charlotte Hornets about wanting to move off of Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier is because it would free up significant money to achieve some of those other goals. They've also got Kelly Oubre under contract. His contract is guaranteed on June uh, 30th. It's about 12 and a half million. I, I think they can save around seven and a half million if they release Kelly Oubre. But if you release Kelly Oubre, you know, you're losing shooting. Uh, you're losing depth at the wing position. Uh, it needs so to that would be a significant, that would be a significant move. Yeah, it would be a good one. It would be a significant move in the way that they need to save money. I agree. All right. <laughs> no, but yeah, but here's the thing. But then you've got to go, you've got to take that seven and a half million, right, that you saved, and then you have to replace Kelly Oubre on the roster or with something. Which which I think you can do. So I and I think you can do it. Look, Kelly Oubre was just flat out awful at defense last year, and he provided mm -hmm. a really nice first half shooting number session for you. The second half was not good. Like, yeah, this this is a decision. Doesn't seem where like a Steve pretty, Clifford player. No, he does not. I mean, we could done defend, and, and I don't even know if he was a James Borrego player by the end of it all. You know, Kelly Oubre wanted to have his role increased, and at that time, he was starting to get minutes taken away from him constantly. This seems like a pretty easy decision to me. We need money for miles. We need to avoid the tax because they're not going to get into the tax if it's not a playoff contender, which this team is not as currently constructed, and Kelly Oubre actively hurt when he's poisoned up, you know, one for eight, three point performances, not playing defense. Like this is something that needs to go ahead and happen, especially with the amount of money that you could save. Um, going back to the beginning part of this, talking about the teams, I, you know, Spurs, Detroit, I think there's a real shot Detroit does this. And I've seen Nada is one that doesn't think the Pistons are going to do it. I've seen a couple of Hornets, you know, Hornets handles, right, that haven't thought the Detroit Pistons are going to give uh, Miles Bridges the max offer. To me, it makes sense that they would because the money, the, the, the pieces they have in place right now are very young. They're not making a lot of money right now because they're rookies and second-year players. Hell, even your third-year player in Killian Hayes, he looks like he's – a little busty. So Killian Hayes might just be something they're not going to keep long-term. Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham, those are the foundational pieces you have in place. Like, do you just throw a lot of money at Miles Bridges and then have him become the vet of the rebuild with Cade Cunningham fitting well with Miles, Jaden Ivey being in the backcourt, all those guys can play with one another, Jalen Duran, right? Like that, he fits a need. He fits a guy that would come in and help them, especially with Jeremy Grant out. You can throw him the bag. You don't have to worry about Cade Cunningham extending him for a couple of years. Jaden Ivey, even further than that, Jalen Duran, same thing. Doug, Detroit, Detroit scares me. If Miles even has any wish of going back home. That's not the case for every player. It could be for miles. So the Detroit is the one that scares me the most. Oh, absolutely. I think they're the only, they're the only real contender at this point. And if you're Detroit, there might be, you might be of a mind to say, all right, we could definitely use miles bridges. We think he's worth the max, but even if we didn't want to, you, you know, even if we weren't like immediately sold on him being a max player, you offer the max. And then if, Char if right. you think Charlotte's going to match it, then you've hurt, a team that's probably honestly going to contend with you uh, for those final couple that's of right. playoff spots next season. Yeah, exactly. So, so they, they have some FU money. They have some, uh, we're just going to play with this we team. We already a traded bit. them during. You think they give us a break. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, well, it, even if they think, what are you doing? If, if they give them the, the match, that's what the Hornets should say. What are you doing? 
Yeah, we should have been asking that about the Charlotte Hornets. That should have been the title on the thumbnail uploaded to this YouTube. But we, what we did, we just didn't have the play on words. But that's the one, right? Detroit's like, well, we don't really want to give Miles Bridges the max, but hell, we'll throw 35 mil a year at him just to make the Hornets have to match. And if they don't, then what do they do? That's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets Whoa. podcast. Let's talk more about it. That was a weird Locked transition. Yep, I apologize. We are going to discuss some of the scenarios that could take place if Miles Bridges does not come back to the Charlotte Hornets. Exactly what does that mean? And we'll dig into a little bit more of the numbers coming up on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for a local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto, so you don't have to choose to spend up to even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or new car dealership. They have prices that are reliably low for every single customer and they have everything you could need from brake parts tail lamps motor oil they even have new carpet go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on and their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you an amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com miles bridges more conversation surrounding a guy that could be leaving coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast is locked on Hornets. And you have to wonder, is there a time for them to do that now? <laughs> no, is, is, he, is he mad at the center position? I mean, it's... it's yes. Yeah, God. Mitch, make a trade. <laughs> That's just good. That's just good sports talk right there. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. A little scary if Miles Bridges leaves. Here we are talking about the chances that maybe San Antonio would come in. Detroit could offer him that max contract or at least make the Charlotte Hornets pay a little bit more. Um, you know, do you think you mentioned Miles? You think that he wants to stay in Charlotte? That's what we got from that video with Will Kunkel. I know he put that back in circulation. His conversation with Miles back, I believe, in April when it was taking place. Um, that he said he might even take a little less money. And I can't imagine Clutch Sports was happy to hear Miles put that out there. Uh, it seems like he does want to be back in Charlotte, but do these social media updates mean anything to you? You know, just not having Hornets in his bio. Is he just getting ready for that possible move? Does this have any significance to you, Doug? Not really. This feels like the kinds of things that happen now. We've introduced social media into the fray and the drama of these negotiations. So players and agencies are going to use every tool at their disposal to create doubt, to create tension because tension equals money. So that's, you know, I don't, I don't think that it means that he's absolutely leaving. Uh, I don't think that it really means anything. It means that these two parties, possibly three parties if Detroit gets involved, have to come to the table and decide how much they're willing to spend for Miles Bridges ability and his potential ability. And I think that's, you know, that's part of this conversation, right? Why didn't the Hornets offer him the max just right off the jump? And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Miles was not an all-star player last season, uh, was right there on the fringe. And so, you know, you you would pay him a lot of money because of how much his game progressed far outside of what we thought it was going to uh, progress, especially on the offensive end. But because of some of the defensive issues, because the shooting waned a little bit, because he wasn't an all-star, you know, I, I think that does depreciate 
the value of this particular contract. Had things played out differently last season, we might have be having a different conversation. But no, these social media posts mean absolutely nothing to me. Yeah, I, I, I've talked about this a lot. The $15 million a year contract offer always seemed low, even for what Miles had provided. You know, like I, I just always thought if the Hordens were serious about getting out in front of what could be a potential explosion regarding Miles' play, then they would have gone closer to 20 million and I would have been fine had they just said look it would have been a risk I, I'm not saying oh I knew miles was going to be like this nobody did but that would have been a risk Doug that I would have been willing to take 20 million dollars four years having him alongside LaMelo ball understanding what we saw in the second half when Gordon Hayward went down I mean it, it's not like this came completely out of nowhere we didn't know it could last for a season but the second half of last year, Miles was really, really good. And in fact, the shooting was awesome. And this is the year that it waned. So $20 million would have been a risk that I was cool with taking. That's why I don't think the Hornets were really ever that serious about getting out in front of what could have been, you know, this max contract, which is eventually how reality, you know, played out. Well, when you give the big contract to Terry Rozier and then you acquire Gordon Hayward and take and, and you know and give give that much money, it would th- that makes the risk all that riskier. If we're talking about a situation where they didn't have all of that money invested in Rozier and Gordon Hayward, then twenty million is probably not that big of a risk. But if we're sitting here this season paying him twenty plus million dollars a year and he played it the same or similar level that he played two seasons ago, then I think both of us are going, what the heck happened? So, and, and remember, the Hornets got away with this. It was a different regime, but they pulled this on Kimba Walker. They gave Kimba Walker sort of the, the low end, hey, bet, you know, stay with us long term. You know, we're betting that you're going to get better. And, and he took the deal. So it's worked out for the, the organization. Michael Jordan remembers that. It's worked out for this organization before. And Miles Bridges was smart. And not taking that deal like Kimba Walker did. Kimba Walker cost himself money by taking that deal. Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, that was a contract that was even criticized at the time. I think it was like $12.5 at that time a year. And then it became maybe the best contract in the league for what Kimba was doing with the Charlotte Hornets team right after that. Um, One of the ways that he might not be on this team is not only if he just decides to sign with another team to an offer sheet. Charlotte doesn't match, but also sign and trade is something we've talked about before. We've, we've discussed how tough it would be because of the base year compensation base salary matching that has to take place. And Keith Smith, a real GM, somebody we've had on this podcast before he said that a sign and trade regarding miles bridges would be unlikely because it is tough. The, the cap gymnastics that have to be uh, take, that have to take place. It's a lot harder for this to, uh, for this to happen. So like, I remember just a couple of years ago and said, well, sign and trades never really happen. It, I hope, you know, it, it does happen, right? Like we see sign and trades actually the last few years pick up more. So at the same time, this is a little bit of a unique situation specifically with Deandre Ayton. Um, you know, that that's the real tough one because of the amount of money that Phoenix is able to take back and what you would have to give up. Um, you know, to bring, you know, to, to put Miles Bridges in their lap and try to bring DeAndre. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like a sign and trade would take place, Doug. No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting conversation to, to discuss what what would happen to the Charlotte Hornets if Detroit comes in and maxes and they decide, look, we can't move Gordon. We can't move Terry. It's just not going to happen. We don't want to go even even flirt with the tax. 
you know, what, what happens then? Um, you know, from a P I think from a PR perspective, it would be a disaster because you would be not investing in a player that has been through your organization. You're not giving him his, his due after, after an amazing season, you, you allowed this risk of letting him go into the market and, and the market told you what he was worth and you decided not to do it. I think that would be a, a very bad look uh, and then from a team building perspective, now you have to go and replace what he gave you last season, mm-hmm. which would be essentially Walker. I mean, I bet that Gordon Hayward's going to be healthy all season, really. I mean, that's what well, it comes down to. Well, and let's be real. Part of the reason Miles Bridges is so far up the intriguing ladder this free agency is because it's not particularly strong. This year's go around yep. in the market, there's not a ton of great players. And when Miles is towards the top and he's restricted, and we're still talking about him being so interesting, then just go ahead and keep miles. And everything you said is true. It would be a really bad look. And especially, you you know, you fire James Brago because they didn't get the job done. Clearly there's a win now message. You let miles walk. And at that time, like Doug, I would think if he left, let's say it's for a max contract, then what's the most that the Hornets and miles would be off? like 28 million a year. And so you're talking like six that's, that's probably annually the most that the two parties would be off by. And at that point, you probably just have to pony up because if he leaves, then what are you going to do this season? Especially with the message that sends to a LaMelo ball who is wanting to win right here and right now. And you have to do everything you can to prove, Hey, this is an organization that is going to put everybody in the right place. Moving forward is letting miles bridges walk and not shedding Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier salary. The message that you want to put out there. I think it's very much not the message you want to put out. It it would be, it'd be pretty bad. Like I, you're right to bring this up. I don't know if we've really talked about, Hey, what if miles leaves? How bad would that be for the Hornets? Well, again, you'd be depending on Gordon Hayward, uh, and that that situation now seems a little rocky between at least Gordon Hayward and the organization. Now that there's a new coach, you know they can they can form whatever relationship they were going to form. Uh, but the organization, I mean, you know, it's it's clear that Gordon isn't happy. It's clear the organization is not happy with how this is all turned out. So you'd have to repair that relationship, hope that he stays healthy. And now you're under the cap, but you're not under the cap all that much. Uh, and then you would be entering a free agent market, probably for a center. So you'd be looking at a Nurchich, uh, Hardenstein, you know, Mitchell Robinson's going to be a UFA uh, I don't think Bobby Portis is going to go anywhere. Uh, and the, Or you could enter into a f- uh, restricted free agency uh, for Mo Bamba or Nick Claxton. It's not going to be Bamba because Bamba and Clifford had a weird relationship in Orlando, so that's pretty much out. Sorry to my guy Reese on the YouTube uh, chat who always wants to get Mo Bamba. Yeah. I think I think when, when Clifford <laughs> signed the contract, that pretty <laughs> yeah. much uh, Sorry, that man. out. Yeah, that's definitely not happy. Nick Claxton continues to be, you know, one of the guys to pay attention to because I think there was a report earlier on that said the Nets aren't even going to match Nick Claxton's uh, Nick Claxton's uh, what would be a mid-level exception offer. You know, if, if it'd be something like that, they would just let him walk. And for eight million, yeah, that would be a really good signing for the Charlotte Hornets. I think that might change, especially with all these Nets rumors going around. If Kyrie yeah. and Kevin Durant are gone, maybe they decide, well, no, Claxton actually is 
enticing enough that we're going to go keep him. But he's a good player. Um, all that might be moot, though, because Miles, most likely, Doug, we think he's going to be back, right? What What's the percentage? Let's go with a percentile, a good old radio game. What's the percentage you think Miles Bridges leaves the Charlotte Hornets? Oh, I'm going to put that at 21.9% chance that yeah. Miles Bridges walks. So it has some life, but still not probable. But pretty, pretty unlikely, honestly. I mean, I think the the Hornets understand they've they've now they've made their bet that he's not going to get the max contract. But I think even if Detroit comes in and gives him the max contract, I think the Hornets are dead set on getting mm-hmm. Miles, doing whatever it takes, either this season or next, to get off one of uh, Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward's contracts, and then moving moving forward from there. Because you know they they will have. Again, it's this it's this dance where they don't want to go into the tax, so they will have a mid-level and a biannual exception at their disposal to go after a Claxton or a Robinson or a Hardenstein or a Nurkic. But they, you know, it's not as if they can spend all of that money because it would put them into the tax, which doesn't seem like where they want to go. But they can accomplish these goals still, even if they bring back Miles and don't re-sign Gordon. Or, I mean, don't aren't able to move Gordon's contract or Terry's contract. I do have an important announcement to make. I meant to make it at the top of the show, but I have an important announcement to make. I, Walker, I am picking up my option for the 2022-23 Locked On Hornet season. Not a foregone conclusion on this show. <laughs> no, no, I've left. That's right. That's right. I've left before. I'm a little, it's a little bit like shot. LeBron James. I'm yeah. like LeBron James. I left Cleveland, came back to Cleveland, but I'm not leaving for the Lakers. Okay. I'm not okay. doing it. Um, although that that Lakers show really good. Love the twins over there, Don't the Kaminsky it. brothers. Don't uh, but I'm not leaving. I am picking up my option. I will be here next season on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Now I will take my 47 million, please. Yep, no doubt. I will give it to you after the show. I'll mail Put it to you. Just in send me the bank. Yeah, send me your info, like your social security and all that stuff, just so I can wire totally. it to you faster, and then we'll make sure we get you totally. that 47 Four, seven, million. Oh, you mean later? Got it. Yeah, yeah, that that'll do it. That'll do later. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Steve Clifford going to be talking with media later on today. In fact, about an hour from when we stop recording this show. What are some of the more intriguing questions we should ask Steve Clifford? Also, Jalen Duran gave our takes on draft night. We've had a weekend and a couple of days to even digest those thoughts. Have we changed them at all? That's what we'll talk about coming up next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline.net is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts plenty more to come last segment on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets to start this off we all know about lebron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare by the time 2019 closes Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I 
I did want to say one other thing about Miles Bridges before we got into Steve Clifford, Jalen Duran takes James Edwards of the athletic. He's the Pistons beat writer. He did say, I believe a day ago, he put out there that the Pistons are unlikely to throw max offers at the likes of a possible Miles Bridges or DeAndre Ayton. So, you know, he's reporting that now. I still think they make the most sense. Things can change different, especially at this time of the year. But that report at least is at, uh, is out there if you want some comfort as a Hornets fan. Well, look, it's interesting that all of this discussion about Miles Bridges is happening on the heels of the drama surrounding Kyrie Irving, uh, John Wall, and that situation over the past couple of years with him having to sit because uh, you know they were desperately trying to move that deal. And Russell, Will, uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook um, just paid $47 million as part of his uh, contract. And so, you know, I think, I feel like teams should be a little bit more wary about exactly who they are investing max money into because it may make sense for Detroit to do it this season, but does it make sense for them to do it in the fourth season of that deal? I don't know. Yes, it's going to be tough to move. That's the question. Also, um, we can talk more about it later on. Jalen McDaniels, his team option was picked up. Smart business um, would have been really dumb had they not, but they did, and they didn't think twice about it. So good job by the Hornets. Jalen McDaniels' team option was picked up, I think, $1.7 million, um, something close to that number, but we can talk more about that later on. All right, Doug, how are you doing after the NBA draft? You've had some time to think about it a little bit more. It was not the most positive of shows that we did on NBA draft night. It had potential for us to just be dancing on the road, right? I was in a hotel room. You were, uh, you were in Charlotte, I think last weekend for a wedding, right? You were back home. Yeah, I was out. Not for the draft. We did our draft show. Mm-hmm. I, I split up my trip. Uh, it's a, okay. it's a, it's a good one from Nashville to Charlotte. So I split it up. Um, but yes, I was, I was in Charlotte, uh, for the Steve Clifford announcement. Let me tell you, the streets were alive for trade and try on <laughs> screaming outside of buildings, pots and pans banging for the Steve Clifford announcement. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts now? Like what your reaction was on draft night, your thoughts now as to how everything, um, took place for the Charlotte Hornets. I've made peace with it. I, I still mm-hmm. disagree with the move. Uh, I still think that you know, saving money versus uh, finding a player that could possibly change the, the the direction, the course of your franchise is a silly, uh, short-sighted move. Uh, and But ultimately, I kind of feel stupid, Walker. And I don't feel stupid a lot. I might look stupid occasionally, but I don't feel stupid a lot. Uh, it's part of my charm is my lack of shame. Yeah, I feel I feel stupid because I when the whole time the New Orleans was making their run to the playoffs, I was cheering. I think alongside a lot of Hornets fans, we were cheering for the New Orleans Pelicans to make the playoffs because we wanted that first round pick because we recognized as fans the value of a first round pick, not only in making that pick, but just even the value in using that pick in some kind of trade scenario was very exciting to, to myself. And I know to, to you out there listening right now, that was an exciting moment when it was like the Hornets have two first round picks and they didn't have to trade back into the first round like they did last season. I didn't even bother to think that in the minds of those that are running the Hornets, that they would view having two first round picks at the late lottery as a bad thing, as something that would yeah. financially hamstring them. Um, So I just feel really stupid. It's a good point because we haven't talked about that Devontae Graham trade and how it plays into this. So they get that first round pick. Well, it wasn't the 13th um, overall pick 
that they got. The they 50, got you're right. It yeah. became the so, 15th. So they used that on Mark Williams. I guess essentially it's done. I don't think they don't. I, I, they don't trade that. Pick but that's. If, be, but that's yeah. because to explain that to people, that's because they felt like Mark Williams. They probably yeah. had good intel on on Abaji going 14, and and instead of picking Mark Williams at 13 and paying him probably an extra five hundred thousand dollars on the rookie scale, they were like, well, we'll trade the 13. And we'll just pick Mark Williams at 15. Oh, I think Mitch Kupchak, he, I think he said that Mark Williams is number one on their big board in his media, or as far as the centers go. Um, so it was a double they, cheap out. They even took the risk that the intel was correct. <laughs> that, I mean, Mark Williams could have gone 14. And then who well, and we that, talked know? about the Cavs, at least the Cavs weren't going to draft the center. The real worry is that a team would leapfrog the Hornets at 15. Right. Could you imagine that if they traded Jalen Duran, somebody leaps them and takes Mark Williams at 14? Uh, at least that didn't happen. At least you did get a good player, in my opinion. But they still traded Jalen Duran. And so you have this Denver Nuggets pick that is most likely going to be worse than what it is this year. That's the same take I had on draft night. I thought about it and I was right on draft night. Like <laughs> that's what, I, that's the conclusion I've come to. It's the fact that Denver had the 21st overall pick. That's without Jamal Murray playing. That's without Michael Porter jr. Playing both of those guys, maybe, you know, MP, MPJ is dicey, but Jamal Murray is expected to come back. And so, they could be contenders for the next five years, which makes that pick worse. Now you do have four second round picks. You traded one up to go get Bryce McGowan. So now it's the first pick and first round and two third or second rounds. Goodness gracious, I'm all over the place. But that now you have three second round picks. So I just, yeah, I would have taken Jalen Duran or somebody else and gotten some max value there. And they decided to trade him instead. And and now as fans, instead of basking in the hope the opportunity that would be Jalen Duran to fill out your center rotation, a, a position that has been a weakness for this franchise for a very, very long time. Instead of instead of getting to do that, you now have to do what you've done uh, for many, many seasons after a draft, and that's wait with bated breath for years to see if that player is going to pan out to see if what, what Donovan Mitchell does to see, you know, what, what Devin Booker does. And then you have to live with that, uh, knowing the, what if, and, and this particular, what if is even worse because there's no player that comes back. It's all picks and value and whatever that's going to be spread out over, over many years, you know, at least with the miles bridges SGA situation, it's like, well, they got miles bridges. Who's a potentially a max player. So, you know, maybe you like SGA a little bit more, but you can't say that they got completely, you know, bamboozled in that trade. Uh, but this one has the potential to look really, really bad. If Jalen Duran realizes the, the potential that I think we all saw, you moving into the draft. Yeah. <clears throat> it's so weird with the center position more so than dynamic ball handlers, wings, right? Like dime what, a dozen. What, Those guys what, are a dime a dozen. What Jalen Duran does, if he fully realizes it, is not a dime a dozen. You're you're gonna pay you're gonna pay to to acquire that in free agency. You're gonna pay significant money. Oh, I would say Miles and SGA aren't dying. I, I think I I think they're rare, right? There's a reason they're gonna get Miles Bridges might get max money. I, I think Jalen Duran 
I think the gap between Mark Williams and Jalen Duran there it's, it's there for sure. Like it's the reason I wanted him. I, I don't know if, if it has the capability of, of being this massive, massive miss. I mean, I, I wanted him too. I, I just think Mark Williams is a good player. Like that's the thing that I, this is what I hate most is the fact that Mark Williams is kind of getting buried in all of this because we talked him up pretty much throughout the pre-draft process because we thought he was the most realistic guy. And now he is kind of getting buried because the Hornets had Jalen Duran in their hands and they give him away when in reality, like, I don't think that's going to be an, a Donovan Mitchell Malik Monk situation. I don't think it's going to be, well, man, we missed out on Jalen Duran just to take Mark Williams. You know, that's the worst thing ever. Like I, I, I think Mark Williams can be a good basketball player for sure too. And so that I, I hate that about him. You know, we're going to talk more about it in the off season. We will. But, and we're, yeah. we're, we're still hurting, right? This is not about Mark Williams. <laughs> we're still, there were two picks. Yeah. We're happy with the acquisition of Mark Williams. It makes a ton of sense. And, and he has a lot of potential too. But but I th- I in particular I am still hurting because Jalen Duran was miles and away number one on my big board and and I felt like had the most potential to be a star of the players that would be available to the Charlotte Hornets in that thirteen to fifteen zone. I'm also but also Walker I'm upset that they didn't make any better deal. It's not just that they made yeah. a deal. All right, I'd have been a little stung about not acquiring Jalen Duran when you had the opportunity. But I'm upset that the deal was 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 so like it didn't involve a Terry Rozier or a Gordon Hayward to get off that money to allow yourself to go and find the veteran player. Not only that it didn't include the veteran player, but I think this makes it more difficult to go out and find that player for this upcoming season. Just right. disappointed all around. Or or you didn't get a lottery protected first from Detroit, which would still be better than this Denver Nuggets one. Like if you get that. I, I even think that's more close to value. I don't think Detroit gets bamboozled in that by getting Jalen Duran. They probably aren't offering. I don't even know how many second round picks came from them compared to the Knicks. I think the Knicks gave the Hornets two second round picks, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, a lottery protected deal from a worse team would have made more sense. But instead, they got a deal from the Denver Nuggets, who are expected to be better than what they were this past season. I have a very strong feeling that for many years to come, we will be talking about this Duran deal. And and I will remember to mention that only several picks before the Hornets, the New York Knicks were able to acquire multiple first round picks for their first round pick. Mm -hmm. And the Hornets instead got a lot of second round picks and a, and a, what I, I think has every likelihood of being a worse first round pick. Anyway, what do you See, want to know from Steve uh, Clifford? I'm tired. Right, last I'm, tired of, I'm frustrated. I'm upset. Last, I don't want to yeah, talk we, about we, this anymore. We brought. We have uh, transported you back to draft night. I apologize for doing that. Steve Clifford going to be speaking to the media in just an hour. I'll be out over there. Um, you're not going to hear this before I go over there, but it's true. You can uh, catch the Twitter profile <laughs> later. Um, what do you want to know from him, Doug? What's the number one? Uh, maybe a couple questions you would ask Steve Clifford, or you're going to force me to ask him. Uh, it's all about LaMelo Ball. I mean, I think that's that's going to be the question on every fan's mind is, okay, you've hired a coach that used to be your coach, but now the team is entirely different. And the biggest difference is they have a potential superstar on their hands in LaMelo Ball. And LaMelo Ball plays the game in a very particular way and has skills uh, that are rare, not from here, one might even say. And so my question uh, to Steve Clifford would be, how are you going to approach coaching a point guard like that? That's not even really like 
Kimba Walker. But what oh, about no. that Kimba Walker experience? What about his experience with Tracy McGrady, with Kobe Bryant, with Dwight Howard, both in Orlando and L.A.? You know, g- dealing with... I think all of those players were already superstars. I'd have to look and see like where Tracy McGrady was when Clifford first got to Houston. But what about those experiences? Oh, he was already because he was a superstar with the Magic. So yeah, Houston, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So he was already a established potential right. Hall of Famer. So yeah. what what about those experiences? Will he take with him as he looks to? Uh, guide, help, do whatever he can to uh, facilitate LaMelo Ball becoming a superstar for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, that's the one. So so the question I would have, I you, you split it up into what do you think is probably going to be asked or has crossed the minds of other media members that will be there? And what are some of the things you could dig into that would be a good question? One of the things is probably going to pass through other minds that I really want to know is how this process played out. Because I talked about it. Some people got a little frustrated with the fact that I said the Charlotte Hornets didn't have Steve Clifford planned. I, the, the question, there's just no way, right, Doug? Like, I, I just, because why didn't you interview him the first go around? Like, there's a reason you you went after David Vanderpool or a Sean Sweeney, some of these other assistants, Charles Lee. Like, you interviewed them, too. Wouldn't you have just interviewed Steve Clifford again if he was a part of the process? Like, he wasn't planned at all. No, I don't think so. What any option? Again, Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak have a previous relationship with Steve Clifford, but you don't plan when you're looking to move your team into the future, you don't plan to bring back a coach that you fired before. And it might work out like you you can get mad and say, well, now now they're hating on it. Like, I, I don't like that it wasn't planned. I will say it it could work out, but if I were to tell you the Hornets are going to hire somebody that was clearly not a part of their searching process at all, then that would scare you a little bit. But it might work work out and Steve Clifford respected in a lot of different regards. I want to know how the process played out. When he got the phone call, what the proposal was, what enticed him to take this job besides the fact that it's a 30, you know, the cliche, there's only Who 30 knew what when? Yeah, I want to know all of that stuff. The questions I think you and I were talking about before we started recording, how is Steve Clifford going to adapt his offense? So this is somebody, right, talked about it yesterday. Will he? On lower it's, not, it's not a question of how. It's will he, it does he feel like he needs to make any adaptations to the way he coaches offense because he has LaMelo Ball at the point guard position? So, yeah, and, and if that answer is yes, which we all hope it will, then how? How will he adapt his offense? And We also, you know, you talked about that superstar stuff. What has he learned from that, right? Like you talked about that, especially with LaMelo being so young, rookie of the year, immediate star. I'm trying to think, I think Dwight Howard was somebody that comes in immediately. I just don't think Steve Clifford was there yet when Dwight Howard comes in as the first overall pick. Um, He was with the Van Gundys. So Stan Van Gundy, when he goes down to Orlando, has he ever dealt with a star like, you know, maybe in their third year, that's already kind of established, you know, already an all-star of their second season, rookie of the year, their first. And then how can he attribute what he's learned from other superstar guys and apply that to how he coaches LaMelo? I think those are some things to learn. Another thing would be turnovers. You know, we know from previous experience with Steve Clifford in Charlotte, and he was the same way when he went and head coached Orlando his offense is about limiting turnovers, mistakes, because those lead to easy transition points that, that he feels like on the whole, uh, you know, limit your ability to defend and win regular season basketball games. So my question would be, 
how does that change or does that change when you have a player like LaMelo Ball who is extremely creative with the basketball and sometimes makes bold plays uh, and, and those bold plays sometimes result in turnovers. How do you how do you manage that? The the risk reward of a player that yes may turn the ball over a little bit more than you like, but but at the, on the other hand makes incredible plays. We'll see what Steve Clifford has to say. We will have that video for you. Should it's have public. That video you can for watch you it on TV tomorrow. That's right. They are publicizing this. I thought that was weird. That's a great point. They're putting it on Bally. I don't remember them doing that with James Borrego, but it's going to be on Bally. So you can check it out for yourself if you want to. We'll have that video for you again. Play some of those clips. Talk about what it all meant. It's going to be a Steve Clifford dominant show tomorrow based off of his comments. Being in Charlotte for the first time, at least as a head coach, since he was fired back in 2018. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every single day. It'll be Steve Clifford tomorrow. And then for your second listen, you can get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Lockdown NBA. Lockdown NBA is your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.